Welcome back to the Manga Revolution Podcast, your home for the best in-depth commentary and reviews on the manga and anime industry. I'm your host, Kevin, and with me today is my co-host who loves to remind me that the Washington uh, Nationals beat my Dodgers in the <laughs> get a World Series ring. Rock, how are you, Rock? Uh, I'm doing great, Kevin. Yeah. I'm still living in those pre-pandemic days. Yeah, I, I, I see the shirt that you're... Uh, I know this is a video podcast, but I see the shirt that... Uh, Rock is wearing is a little bit of a dig on me when uh, his <laughs> Nationals beat my Daughters to the road for their World Series win. So it's always a good reminder that of that. That's okay, Kevin. I, we gave you all of our players uh, this season, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, true. that's true. <laughs> but we didn't win a World Series, but we won it last year. So anyways, this is not a sports podcast, but you know, <laughs> just wanted to mention that here because I'm still salty about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Um, so just for today's podcast, we're going to change things up a little bit instead of talking about chapters or anything. We're going to actually just talk about one specific manga, and we're going to be talking about a manga that we uh, briefly touched on with the first chapter when it was first introduced back in November. Um, it's going to be shown when it's shown in Jump's uh, newest manga series called Ayashimon by Hell's Paradise creator Yuji Kaku. And so we're going to be talking about the first seven chapters that have been released, see if now seven chapters in, I think that that's a good barometer if like we want to continue reading it. Or, but before we get into Ayashimon, I wanted to do some quick housekeeping. And so like, as always, you could listen to the Manga Revolution podcast on any podcast service, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all those fun locations where you could find uh, your favorite podcast at. Um, you could also rate and reuse five stars. We always greatly appreciate it on those platforms because it helps us with getting up in the rankings. And then if you could also find the reviews and features that Rock and I ha have been doing for the, both the comic book and manga industry on comicbookrevolution.com. You can follow CB uh, Comic Book Revolution on Twitter as well at CB Revolution and the Manga Podcast at uh, the Manga Podcast on Twitter as well. And you can follow myself on Twitter at uh, the Kevin Lainis and, and on Instagram at Kevin L07 Rock. Where could we find you? You can find me over on Twitter and Instagram at Rock 2K's Revolution. Awesome. Um, so before we get into Ayashimon as well, I wanted to quickly go over some format changes that we're going to be doing with this podcast as well, because Rock and I have been discussing a little bit and um, just talking about the different chapters. I know we've been going over, like trying to do monthly recaps and things like that of the chapters that Shonen releases and other other man, uh, manga companies release as well. But we wanted to change things up because especially at the beginning of the year, a lot of these mangas are starting new story arcs or like getting or completing new uh, story arcs and things like that. So we've been talking about it and we're going to probably take a break from doing the monthly recaps. Instead, we're just going to be highlighting specific manga, kind of like we're going to be doing today with Ayashimon covering the first seven chapters. Um, if anything notable happens, like in My Hero Academia or Kaiju Number no. 8 or Spy X Family, things that we, we're reading right now that we want to really talk about and deep dive into like a chunk of chapters or maybe just entire story arc, that's kind of what we we're going to be covering. Um, and then also, like, I know Rock loves covering news and sales numbers and things like that. And this will give us a chance to also mix that type of stuff into like the podcast discussions just to talk about what's going on in the manga industry as well. Um, so yeah, so that's going to be like some format changes for us moving forward. And I, I think that rock, um, feel free to chime in here, but, um, but yeah, I think that would just give us more free flowing and more opportunities to explore things and deep dive into things. And so we're not just giving hate to like a Dragon Ball like chapter that we might have not enjoyed because it's, we haven't seen it completely develop or something like that. Absolutely. It's a new year. Time to shake things up and do a new format as we continually refine what we do here. I think this is going to allow us to, I think, have some more interesting discussions and be a little bit more helpful for people who are looking to dive into various new manga titles because, Kevin, they just keep yeah. firing at us yeah. at a quick quick rate. It seems like Shonen Jump is, is always adding another title to their app. You see, yeah. you see the same thing over with the other digital services. They just There's no shortage of new titles popping onto the market. Yeah, it's going, and that's what's fun about this industry is that it's growing so quickly. Manga and anime in general is uh, growing so rapidly in other countries that we're we're living in a good time where we're getting a lot of stuff more same date releases in or closer oh, yeah. to where they're releasing in Japan. So it's it's a good time, and it figures it opens us uh, gives us an opportunity just to explore more manga than what we have been in 2020, where we just kind of started up. The first 20 episodes really was us testing things out getting our vo voices for how, how we wanted to talk about it. So it's going, and we'll continue doing that in 2021 of like, 
we're going to be testing things out with episodes and just seeing what works and what doesn't and just getting everybody's feedback as well. So, yeah, so I just wanted to touch on that. And so that way, um, someone expecting that we were going to do the same format that we were doing previously is not going to get too shocked about that. That's right. So, yeah. So, okay. So with all that stuff out of the way, that fun businessy stuff out of the way, um, I just want, let's get right into Ayashimon, which uh, for those who may not remember us when we talked about it, the first chapter um, is by Yuji Kaku, who was the creator of Hell's Paradise, which ran for about 127 chapters and collected in 13 volumes. And it's actually getting an anime here coming up this year. Actually, even though it's concluded, it it is getting an anime, which we had a trailer for it back in Jump Festa um, back in at the end of last year that there's no release date or voice cast announcements yet, but it's just like it was a very simple trailer showing the style. But that, that's kind of where uh, Yuji Kaku's biggest success. And before even Hell's Paradise, he was also an artist assistant to Chainsaw Man creator uh, Tatsu, Tatsuki Fujimoto. So he has a good background of like of before he even create, like started his own mangaka um, or manga. Um, and and yeah, so that's kind of his background. And with Ayashimon, it's basically the kind of a deep, kind, kind of set in a world where where demons actually still exist they're called ayashimon in there and we have our main characters uh his name is maru who's when we get introduced to him we are led to believe that he's a normal human and that he's been reading manga his entire life and he just dreams of being like goku and luffy uh from one piece and dragon ball that's his greatest dream so that's why he's been trained wait, wait, so hard wait, kevin how, how can you gloss past that he name dropped kirikuman two times in that <laughs> intro I, I wanted you to step in there and say that to you so because I know that that was your favorite, probably your favorite part of this entire manga is when uh, the Kinikuman references. That's right. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so he just wants to be just like those manga heroes that he's read. So that's his entire dream. And then he ends up running across this girl named uh, Urara, who uh, mistakes him for a, a, an Ayashimon, that, which Ayashimon in this world is really yokai, what they, another term for yokai in this world. Um, so... So she mistakes him because of how abnormally strong he is. And he's able to defeat an entire gang of Ayashimon by himself. But he's like, hey, no, I'm actually a normal human. And she's like, wait, what? All right, well, <laughs> you know what? I need people. So you're going to become my you're going to become my subordinate. And that's basically kind of the team up. And it, um, Urara, her entire motivation is to get reclaim the um, the gangs that her fa- were under her father's control before in the Ayashimon world. And she's going to do that through the ritual duels, which she's going to have uh, Maru compete with him for. So that's kind of really the setup for the first chapter. And really, like, the entire first seven chapters of it is just based around that that pure setup. So, Rock, um, let's just get right into it of what they think of the overall story that we've gotten so far in these seven chapters of Ayashimon. I love the opening seven chapters. I think that this is an incredibly cool world that Yuji Kaku has created for us. I love the amount of world building that Kaku is able to do in a relatively short amount of time. It's great. You get a great sense for the universe and more importantly, the rules of the Ayashimon universe, which is so important for the manga to get across. What are the rules of the universe, especially for this kind of, this type of Shonen Jump manga where that is it's so vitally important to the entire story that you fully understand the rules of this setting. And we, I think that Kaku does a great job doing it in a way that, and doing it away, Kevin, in an interesting and organic way, rather than just dumping like a bunch of information on us in the first chapter, he doles it out as we need to know it over the course of the first, probably what, five six chapters yeah i would say like the first five chapters specifically are all just about world building mm-hmm. um and that's that that is the interesting thing is that like we aren't given a lot of this world from at the first chapter we're just no. kind of uh, slow dripped over the first five chapters really the first yeah. five chapters kind of give you all the information you need of this world um where whether it's like what ayashimon is which in this world is really yokai and yeah. it seems like kaku like we were talking about it before the podcast too of it seems like um kaku uses i was going to intend initially use Ayashimon as his word for yokai or demon in this case, but yeah. it does seem like he kind of drops Ayashimon as the yo- yokai demon term. Yeah, and he, he just straight up uses yokai, um, which yeah. again, it's a lot easier to get across to the reader of like, 
what a yokai is because in, in Japan it's a Japanese folklore thing and it's e- easier to get over that hey we're li- living in a world of demons and then that allows him to also like not have to drop the Ayashimon like name every term every time to just get it over and just mm-hmm. focus on like let, let me build out the world let me build out show because we see so many uh stories about demons in so many other manga and other anime or just in general pop culture as well so it, like the first five chapters do a good job of setting Aishimon's world apart from most of those and setting up those rules and things like that of why you should be reading this this manga and it's very character driven very much about like Kaku's uh, unique designs for all the yokai and stuff like that is it's very cool to see that he does place a focus on that so like a lot of the world building is done through action because like the characters I wouldn't say are incredibly deep but at no. least they're, they're they look cool which is kind of what you want from the beginning of like hey let me get give them a cool look i will dive into more of their characters as we go on we get hints of their characters like with maru we get and urara and like some other characters that are introduced later on um we get more like clues into what they are and later like that's something that uh kaku will be able to develop in future chapters where he could dedicate a specific chapter to a yeah. character's entire background or history and thing in this world Agreed. No, I, I, you're right. The the magic of the first seven chapters really is the the world that we live in. The world of you know, it's yokai. It's definitely Ayashiman. That's become kind of like the manga's brand name. While yokai is the world <laughs> of that we're dealing with, but it's really the world that we've that we're introduced to. It's very ornate. It's very flashy. It's very eye catching. It's very interesting. It's very action driven and that's what really drives the first seven chapters the characters not so much if you're looking for you know gripping character work to drive the story in the beginning that's not going to happen here i like the characters that get me wrong but like you said kevin let me to be honest even though i like them there's not much depth to them you can see where Mm -hmm. kaku is starting to flesh them out a little bit and i think in particular uh, we're seeing that more with Urara than we are yeah. else at the moment, but I, I, I'm sure we're going to see that more and more with other characters too. But you can see where he's he he really wants to hook you on his universe and the type of story he's going to tell, which is very action forward. And then he, I think he's going to start to fill in the character work as we go. Yeah, and I think um, the two main characters of this, being Maru and Urara, are, are kind of interesting main characters because it feels like, especially with modern day storytelling, we've seen a lot more main characters like um, Naruto or or Deku in My Hero Academia. Of like the characters, usually you want to start off with them being com- very layered characters, but it seems yeah. like with with Ayashimon, Kaku did that by splitting up what a traditional modern day manga main character is into these two characters where. Urara's backstory is what's driving the story, really. And Maru is just a muscle. It's kind of so yes. it's very interesting to see, like, really what what we've been kind of trained in, in the modern day of manga um, for most Shonen jumps is that, that the character, the main character has really been split up into two main characters in this in this instance, I would say. I completely agree. And, and you're right. You're seeing this more and more in modern manga, for sure, in the Shonen category. It, it, you're right, because here, Maru is, he just reminds me a lot of Saitama from One Punch Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, not, I, I mean, it's not an exact Xerox copy, but but very similar in in his personality and, I guess, the archetype, the shallowness of the character. But, the, yeah, the lack of, of nuance to the character, yeah. right, is very much like Saitama. And just like how in One Punch Man, Genos provides the other half. Yeah, of the protagonist you normally get. I think Urara is giving us that other half mm. up front. Yeah. Um. So you know, I don't know if, I mean, who knows where we're gonna go with Maru, uh, Maru. But at some point, yeah, don't be. I think readers should not expect Maru's character to become yeah. incredibly nuanced. I don't think. I think he may follow the same path as Saitama does, roughly. Mm. Yeah, and there's there's some yeah there's some hints that there'll be some character death in terms of like his power set and like why yeah. he's special because like the, he already um, Kaku already kind of does dive into it and that was one thing I did appreciate in this is that he didn't go completely the One Punch Man route of like right he's just a o- overall like super strong human 
right. uh, that there is something else special to him. And yes. uh, they bring it up here, which was the Ma- Marebito, uh, which is a legendary strongman that was a, uh, considered a yokai slayer that's only born every few generations, which Urara has mentioned that it's everything that she gets from Maru. It seems like he's in reincarnation with that. And that, that concept being introduced this early on, where instead of saving it, I'm guessing that that's the route that Kaku's going to go with Maru whenever he does explore trying to give Maru more character death isn't going to necessarily be his actual character, like getting emotionally stronger or like emotionally more um, in depth, but it's going to be more about like why, why he is so powerful. And really, if you're looking for character development, I think Urara is going to be that character that's going to get the most character development in terms of how she becomes a leader, how she's going to get other subordinates to work under her and her developer personality. I think she's going to be the character that we will see that character grow from that we been traditionally accustomed to seeing with modern day manga yeah no i agree and i think i'm glad that i'm glad that we got introduced to the concept that maruo is a marabito and we got that pretty early in we got that in chapter five yeah okay and up until for the first four chapters kevin i was wondering Mm -hmm. if we were going to go the full saitama route because basically all we were told was he's a human who trains real hard and is just freakishly powerful, right? And so I'm thinking, okay, we're going to go the Saitama route. I'm glad by chapter five, we we see that, no, in fact, Kaku has some plans for Maru's character by letting us know, nope, he is special. He is a Marabito or could be a Marabito, and that could be the source of his power. And it gives him a little more uniqueness. It also gives him a role within this universe mm-hmm. of the yokai and the yeah. Ayashimon, however you want to you know view it. And it makes him it makes him a little more special, a little more defined, uh, gives him a little more depth, gives mm-hmm. Kaku more range. He can take the mm-hmm. character. So I'm I actually as much as I love Saitama, don't get me wrong, and I love One Punch Man, I'm glad we're not getting that reproduced mm. over here. Yeah, because, and just the entire story of Aishimon, I think that's one thing that uh, Kaku does a good job of, like, over the course of this, these seven chapters, which I would consider, I think that that will be probably, like, what's the first volume or maybe one more chapter um, it, that Kaku does such a good job in is that he introduces us to concepts that we already know with the main character, like Maru being, like, kind of like One Punch Man, the mm-hmm. yokai world really being like all, a lot of demons we're seeing we're we're used to seeing the freakish demons uh, yes. from other manga series or other yep. animes and things like that but then like kakuru puts in enough details of like oh why ayashima's world is distinct because in this world we have what shinjuku is completely ruled by demons and it's just a normal thing like it does seem like it's not a thing where like the government is hiding it or mm-hmm. like these demons are forced to be hidden and i think he does that's probably my favorite thing of this manga is that that the demons aren't hiding and it seems like uh, everything is known about the demons being part of this world in terms of right. at least because they rule all of Shinjuku. Right. Um, and I think they, uh, um, Kaku does a good job of making that organic where you're not questioning, wait, why isn't any, like the human stepping in? Why aren't, isn't this controlled by the government? Why isn't this like, you're not questioning that at least in the first seven chapters. Agreed. Because I'm sure that that's going to be something that they're going to dig into more as we, get more into the politics behind everything and how the gangs are like, because we have four different gangs ruling Shinjuku um, yep. and things like that. But I'm glad that at least in these first 10 chapters, I, I wasn't left with the feeling, Hey, why is this being allowed and things like that? Cause sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you, sometimes when you get invested in a story, you start doing those questions in my head, but yes. I haven't done that. And I'm glad I, that Kaku doesn't have me doing that because it just makes it so I'm more naturally invested in this world. And that's what my focus is, is not, being questioning every little detail is just being right getting engrossed in the world yeah absolutely no kaku presents it in a way that you buy into it quickly and it you don't question why this exists why this is allowed how this how this works within the the, you know quote-unquote real world yeah it's it's done really well and i think i think kaku is also smart that he also introduced the uh the public safety police force, the uh, Anmia Bureau, pretty early in. I think we first see them in Chapter 5 as well. That shows us, hey, there is a police force that polices these yokai. So their ritual duels, which is, is how they, how one, one group will conquer another group or how disputes are for, for money or turf 
our resolve through these ritual duels, how these ritual duels don't spill out into the human world and cause too much problems for the humans. So yeah. he has a built-in police force to try to explain, partially explain how this is governed so that it doesn't just spill out into a human world mm-hmm. uncontrolled. Yeah, and it does seem like, well, for, at least from the first seven chapters, that Shinjuku, like, especially like the main gangster stuff is being held in the Shinjuku part. So maybe yes. that's been cor- that part of Japan has been cornered off to being like, yep. this is where you guys could do all your debauchery, this yep. or like all the crime that you normally would do, we wouldn't allow. Yep. We're going to just corner off Shinjuku, the Shinjuku area. That's your guys' territory. But yep. if you start living in other parts of the country or other parts of Tokyo and things like that, you do have to follow rules. Like it, does, it is not, and it does seem like that. That's kind of, at least what I got across when reading those first seven chapters. That like, yeah, in Shinjuku it's more lawless, but where whereas when you leave Shinjuku, you got to follow more like society's rules. What's interesting is they make that is that Kaku makes a point when we are introduced to Ten, the little sidekick, the young yokai sidekick, uh, to Maruo. When we were introduced to him. Haku makes a point of Ten saying how he was in a smaller village where all the locals stopped believing in yokai. And once they stop, once once humans stop believing in yokai, yokai start decreasing in both number and power. And so he went to Shinjuku because that is the one area where I guess belief in yokai is still very, very strong. And so they're they're in great numbers and they have great power. Yeah. So it also, that's a good explanation of why outside of this yeah. Shinjuku region, they tend to taper off drastically in number and in mm-hmm. power. It's connected somehow to, you know, humans need to believe in them for them to have the power. And that's yeah. a neat concept that we've seen before played out in, in, mm-hmm. in Western stories about, you know, belief in, you know, Greek or Roman gods or Norse gods. Any type of deities. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a good explanation. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'm glad that, like, like I said, these first seven chapters, especially, like, I would say the first five, really, out of the seven, is just all set up and really what yes. gives you all the information because it's not the first chapter really doesn't give you much information on this no. world. It just you're just kind of thrown into it and then yep. you'll be like, oh, what's going on? But then yeah. the next four chapters is like where Urara is at, like Mumaru really does act like a re- the reader of like getting explained all this stuff where yes. you, there is some over exaggeration with Maru of like anytime Urara like explains something his head explodes because it's like too much yes. information. Yes. Um, which is a cool thing because it's like for the reader, you're, you kind of be like, okay, I got to remember this. I got to make right. sure I remember this. And you're trying really hard to remember all the different terms, the, the way that things work around here. And so you almost feel like Maru in that instance of like your head's blowing up just because yes. like, it's a lot of information. Um, but it's a lot of good information because like I'm glad that he doesn't just give it all away right away of like even the no. game. But, but though that is one thing that was weird about this way that this is set up because he's giving you a lot of information over the course of five chapters that mm-hmm. specifically like the four gangs that were introduced to in this case is the Enma Syndicate, which is the ruled by the, the second chairman of, of that. I mean, his name is Depot. Then there's the Todoroki Alliance, uh, the Ayashi, Shi, uh, Ayakashi. B stars um, and then the Corey Hotel Group. Those are the four factions in, that exist in this world. And um, it was interesting to see that we got introduced to the four, to the four and how they rule and everything at yes. the en- very end of a chapter. Yes. And then the next chapter didn't it started with not really talking about those anymore. Right. So you forget about those groups. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm honestly that's why I wrote them down because I was like, yeah. I got to remember the four groups because by the end of this chapter seven, we're only really digging into the Enma syndicate and right. so it's like it's very easy to forget about those four and I thought that was an interesting it, it was an interesting choice because I was waiting for him to talk about the four groups when we started the next yes. chapter when it would after they got introduced I'm completely with you ending the chapter with these four groups and then starting the next one without referencing them again or going into them a little bit more and just rolling forward was not my preferred way of doing it, I would have preferred that he do it at the beginning yeah. of a chapter. So I better, I yeah. better remember all these four groups because they're they're It's interesting, Kevin, because he presents them as the four main groups, but they're not necessarily four equal yeah. groups in Shinjuku. You've got the Enma Syndicate is obviously the strongest family. I'm going to use family like mafias over here. Okay, so strongest family, yeah. right? 
And the Todoroki Alliance is a biker gang who is who is who splintered off of the Enma Syndicate. You've got the Ayakashi B-Stars who control the nightclubs and the bars and the cabarets and entertainment establishments. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the Corey Hotel Group, which it's it's in the name. It's the hotels, right? So, but yeah. you can kind of tell how they're not they're not all four are not equal. It's clear that Kaku is placing the Enma Syndicate as the strongest yeah. family, right? Kind of like yeah. how the New York family is stronger than the New Jersey family, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the others are kind of slotted somewhere underneath the Enma Syndicate, but they're in. And so they, it's, we don't know exactly, we, we do get a clear sense that the Enma Syndicate believes itself to be the top dog and wants to reass, reassert their dominance over the other three groups. We get, yeah. we get a sense of that, Kevin, by the end of the seventh chapter, right? Yeah, by the end of the seventh chapter, I, I would say that, that especially with the introduction of their, their chairman, uh, whose name is Depot. But, and that, it was an interesting thing because it does seem like Haku wants to, wanted to focus like the, first what five six chapters really on Urara's struggle Absolutely. like her be- reclaiming her father's uh power because um like that that was the other setup of Aishimon is that before uh before chapter one uh, Urara's father was uh died and it seems like he was also assassinated but we don't really know that's one of the big mysteries of it is like someone was responsible for her, her father's death she had to go out on a run because she was the only child and if they found out that she was the child of the previous uh, ruler of Shinjuku, because like her dad was like the one that keeping all the gangs together. They, they was it all he was the, Wasn't he the first chairman of yeah. the, in the syndicate? No, he was. No, he. No, they say um, that the or first he chairman. The, the, no, he was the overall ruler of all. Overall the ruler of yeah. and he kept all the groups in line, right? Yeah. So he, so he was like all he, Shinjuku, yeah. Shinjuku yeah. and all four groups followed yeah. his lead. Exactly. So like he, right. they were there were still the four gang like however many gangs there were right, at right. the time. And then um, he he died, and then that allowed like the Enma group to so all of a sudden or Enma syndicate to get rise in power right. and all that stuff because they even they call it out of like people being the second chairman. So it's like the first chairman was um, a previous guy that was answering right. to uh, Urara's father and stuff like that. So right. So that 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 is one thing that they do establish, and that is a mystery going in because then that's one of the main driving forces for Urara's character is that she wants to reclaim her father's throne. Yep. basically um and she's going to be doing that through the ritual duel it seems like all the ritual duels will be for her to reclaim more power right. the power that her father did and also yep. um and just to get revenge on the people that kill him because she doesn't know who it is but she's like i'm just going to get revenge on everybody <laughs> right now at least that, right. that's her attitude at least that's her attitude going in um which is an interesting balance because like you have this character that's so driven by revenge but she's also like as silly as Maru in certain instances, because she does a lot of a lot of a lot of the comedy comes from her yeah. as well. Like in, in terms of her expressions and things like that that she yes. gives characters. Yeah. Definitely. Um. So, which is an interesting concept because she does look, she looks like the youngest kid. Like she is a young child. And yeah, so she's... there's this balance of this character that's that's uh, driven by revenge, but she also has this young child look. She's she's yeah she's she's a s- small woman who is not physically imposing in the least bit. So she's the brains of the operation. Right. And I, I, I don't I like that in chapter two, I'm glad that Kaku didn't again, does didn't waste time and let us know in chapter two, he has Urara clearly tell the reader. And I appreciate this. Don't beat around the bush. Clearly tell the reader. I got three goals. One, take back my family's crest Two, kill the people who killed my father three destroy the emma syndicate <laughs> and and i and then at that point she will have fully ascended back to her father's role as the head of all of shinjuku yeah, which yeah. is her goal so yeah. i'd like that we clearly get her her character's goals they don't beat around the bush i think i that's one thing i love about a lot of shonen manga is they they let you know up front what is this character's mission yeah. And so we clearly know what Urara's mission is, which I think is great. And it makes her character uh she's fascinating because you you at first you're like, mm, yeah, you know, if someone killed my dad, I'd totally be out for revenge too. So you, you immediately go, Yeah, I got that revenge story. Someone kills your your father. Okay, cool. I got that. I can I can kind of I can sympathize with her, right? Yeah. She's almost like she's kind of like a mini punisher. She's like a mini punisher yeah. without the guns. Right, exactly. Yeah. But then 
after I, I want to say it was in chapter five, I think, where or chapter four. Uh, no, it's after it's after Maruo defeats Hashi uh, Hashihama mm-hmm. when he defeats her. And I want to say that's in chapter four ish. Yeah, at the, at, 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 the, at the end of chapter three. I thought it was like end of okay. chapter, in chapter three. Yeah. Okay. That that uh, you have Urara specifically state that, okay, uh, this guy is this guy is super powerful. And you know what? I'm going to use him to get what I want. And if he ever becomes too hard to control, I'll kill him. So now you're like, wait a minute. At first, we were feeling a little sympathetic to her. But now we're like, oh, she didn't give a crap about, you know, Maruo at all. So now I don't like her. So the reader is like, you make the reader conflicted. And then you make the reader untrusting of one of the two main characters. That's cool. That's fun. That's exciting for the reader. Yeah. And I think it's an interesting balance with her character specifically of just like, her childlike look and like some of her attitude is also very childlike, but then she also has this incredibly serious side where you're like, Oh man, she's, she's one character. I don't want to piss off because I don't know what she's going to do to me. (laughs) She's still an ancient demon. Yeah. She's still, she's older than your average human. So she's not as young as she looks. Yeah. So, so it's like an interesting balance. And I I also like with the introduction of uh, Hashi Hime uh, in the second chapter that it does a good job setting up like where, Hashi Hime was like a the handler of Urara, yeah. it seemed like when yep. she was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and just just like her her entire fight with Maru was a good example of like where Maru's power level is because he's also yes. getting introduced to this world as well. And then just also setting up Urara that she does have some loyal loyalty within the, the group, at least in Hashi Hime, and then like setting up that connection where she wasn't all alone by the like she was in a completely orphan. She almost had like mm-hmm. an Alfred uh, for mm-hmm. at least a certain part of her life. Hashihime um, is her Alfred. That's a perfect yeah. analogy. Yeah. <laughs> a, a very powerful Alfred, but one yeah. nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. Like they're very, very powerful. And I think that was a good um, thing to drive like in the second chapter in of like that. She does have somebody there. So that way, when you do have Hashihime uh, like reappear at like towards the end of chapter six and seven. Yes. Um, that what her appearance does matter more because you already have that kind of Alfred, Alfred Bruce Wayne connection yes. with the, those two characters. So that, when like Deepo had like tortures her and does things to her, you're like, oh man, he that that's so messed up because we had we already had such a understanding of their connection, even though it was very short. It wasn't like a huge one whole chapter dominated by their flashback. It was just a yeah. huge fact. It was a few pages, but it was enough to get us invested in their relationship. That when oh, yeah. uh, Hashihime reappears um, in the series, that you're like, oh man, that that, that is not cool. You 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 hate the, that Chairman Deepo guy even more than. And you already did from what you were seeing him in the previous chapters doing. The fact that we got Hashi, excuse me, the fact that we got Hashihime earlier uh, in, in uh, chapter two, um, we, it gets us more invested in her character. It creates a bond between her and Urara. So when we see her again in chapter six, seven, there's some real stakes to the story when, she, when we see her again. You know, we're more invested in her character. We understand why this is a big deal, why this is going to impact Urara. It just creates more stakes in the whole scenario, which is more enjoyable. And not only that, it also, again, it how he handles Hashihime's character continues this really interesting, complex, dual nature of Urara's personality, where in Chapter 2, Urara clearly has a close relationship with her, but at the same time kind of keeps her pimp hand strong in dealing with Hashihime, where she really... She orders her around like he, he, she, she checks Hashihime when when Hashihime tries to tell Urara what to do. Right. She really or, or where, like, like, yeah, she says, like, I did not tell you to stand. You got to kneel like where right. she, after she gets up from kneeling. She tells him, right. I did not tell you to stand kneel. And then, right. then Hashihime like goes back to kneeling again. So it's like setting up that they're some, like the superior and subordinate kind of yes. relationship that they have. But at the same time, when Urara sees Hashihime in chapter seven, captured after she'd been tortured in chapter six, captured in in uh, Depot's Cadillac. You see Urara react with genuine concern 
and worry that you would have of seeing a loved one in peril. So again, it continues that that yeah. complex personality yeah. that she has where you're like, do you hate her? Do you like her? Is she bad? Is she good? Do you trust her or do you not trust her? It, it just keeps that going. Yeah. And, I, and I'm glad that also like with now just introducing Chairman Depot, which is like our first real main antagonist of the uh, of the series that like by the time we get to chapter seven, that we get introduced to somebody that's not going to be the monster of the week um, type bad guy. Right. Cause that, that's kind of one of the things that the first six chapters were doing where like, it feels like every time Mario had to fight, he just had a monster of the week Agreed. type type fight of like, that's absolutely true. He, he gets like, it was becoming re- very repetitive. Like he gets knocked out first at the beginning because he de- underestimates his opponent. Right. And then because his opponent underestimated him because he's a human that he is able to defeat them. And that was like the first, really the first six chapters. Well, it was following that same chapter. Pattern. Two was what was Maru versus Hasha Hime. Chapter three was Maru versus Inokuma, the low level thug. And then chapter five, well, four and five was the boss, right? Ten's boss versus Maru. And then uh, we get six and seven. So, yeah, you're right. It's, 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 it was literally three monsters of the week in a row that we got. And 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 you're right, the, the fights all went. Exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that, that was it's like because you're establishing yeah. Maro's character and his yeah. power set. So I'm, I'm okay with that, but you can't yeah. keep doing it. Yeah, <laughs> and I think I think that was just my for me personally that was my complaint of it is that yeah I was I would have been fine with it if the action scenes were a little bit different or like they played out right. differently, but it just came down to who punched harder. At they the were end, identical. They, it, they weren't. There was no difference between the fighting no. styles. There was none, and that's the one thing that I do want Ayashima to explore is like. What are the fighting styles? It's not, it isn't just yes. like, I'm going to punch harder than you. Um, and that's, right. I really do want that to be something that Kaku improves on this is that it's not, oh, this guy is super Saiyan level and the other guy's not. And that, right. that's why he, he, like, Maru can't defeat Chairman Depot because he's just not as strong as him. I want to see more techniques because that, that, is, that is something that, even though it's in other manga, I think that helps other manga to, um, to separate out different characters when you do have different fighting styles, different types of techniques being used and just, I punch harder than you. No, I, I completely agree. And I think, and I'm going to go to Kinikamon because Kaku name dropped it twice in his first chapter. So we know it's an influence. One of the big, one of the big points of Kinikamon that makes it so enjoyable is the emphasis on the different fighting styles. That's a big deal. That's why sometimes characters who don't have the raw overall power can defeat much more powerful characters because of their fighting style, their technique, and their strategy allows them to yeah. defeat what on paper are more powerful characters. I wish I, we need to get more of that yeah. because you're right. The, the, the fights, they, it, it's just who can punch harder and they follow the exact same format. We need to get more into style, technique, yeah. strategy. That's got to play a bigger role going forward. It has to. Yeah. And especially when you have, the demons all looking different. Agreed. Yes. Like it can't just be that their design is different. Let's see. Do they all they have different yeah. powers? Do they have different abilities yes. and things like yes. that? Is it or is the only thing that's unique to them is that they they all look different? That's right. and that's not that's not fun either. And that could be no. get very very boring after a while if you, all all your characters are the only thing is different is that you have cool designs for them and but that's- nothing to back up the cool designs of like something you, other other things that are unique about them. That I agree. And again, with Kinikamon, they all have different designs, but they all had different power sets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what made each fight unique is Kinikamon, who's just super strong mm-hmm. and super invulnerable like Maru, has to come up with different strategies, different fighting mm-hmm. techniques to counter a different powered bad guy with yeah. each battle. And that's what gets it interesting. You can't then- do what he's doing over the long term. Especially when you're keeping Maru's character so simple, and, and, yes. and him, because he is the straightforward character right, right. now, and it, like at least these first seven chapters, we've established that his mm-hmm. fighting style is very straightforward. Yes. So, like the opponents that he has to be fighting have to have something different about. Them I agree. Than than what his fighting style is, and because especially when you're going to introduce, unless you're going to suddenly make Maru be like a guy that's going to start training different techniques, different fighting styles, and things right. like that, if. That, that would be one thing, but you also have to make the other characters that he's fighting have their own style instead yep. of just everybody's the same style. And the only thing different is really Morrow is the spiky head kid 
yes. the other characters are like the demonic characters. Right. And that's it. Yeah. That, that, and that's that's and that is the for me too. That's probably my biggest criticism of the first seven chapters of Ayashiman is is the I like action, but we gotta we gotta change it up. We gotta change it up. So, yeah, and, and I think and with I, Depot, we're gonna see that because I there's no way Depot is going to be another monster of the week. There's there's yeah. no way he's got to he has to be the long range bad guy. Yeah, he has to be. And or, Depot or, is a villain he's a quality villain kevin we only get him for chapter six and seven but let me tell you what i don't know about you but for me i bought in on his character he's yeah. a good villain you yeah. hate him immediately you yeah. want to see him get beat don't you he's the yeah, and, and he's, he's a he's a he's the <laughs> asshole that you want to see get punched in the face uh, yes. by, by maru but um but yeah and, and it'll be interesting to see because we do get introduced to chairman depot for, at the beginning i'll be interested to see if he will be the long-term villain for Right for the series because like sometimes especially when you introduce uh, the main villain this early on, yeah, that that might be a clue that he might not be and that there's somebody else in charge of him, right. um, or like we also have the other three groups because he's only in charge of the Enma group, syndicate, which are we're right now at least led to believe that they're the most powerful group. It'll be interesting to see how the other groups work in this like world because we have the Todoroki Alliance, which seems to be like the newest gangster group that that's popped yes. up because they're a splinter group of specifically of the enma syndicate that got tired mm-hmm. of working under the enma syndicate mm-hmm. um but then we also have the Ayash, ayakashi b stars in the Corey hotel group which we got a little bit of what they, they they do but we don't have really details of their power sets like we're just led to believe right. more so that they're like with the ayakashi b stars they're more just like the dirty like keeping all the lawlessness in, in Shinjuku yeah. and then the Corey hotel group. They're more like they are in Shinjuku, but they're also doing businesses outside of Shinjuku yes. and other, other parts of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, but outside of that, we don't really get a look at them outside of like the silhouette of their, of some of their members and some of their right. members do look like they may be powerful, but we don't know yet. Well, we don't know. I have to say we, we, we've made an error, Kevin. It's, mm-hmm. it is chairman Dopo, Dopo. Car, not Dopo. Dopo. Deepo, okay, my bad. We, we messed that up, but it is Dopo. Dopo. I, I'm with you. I'm interested to learn more about the other groups other than just the Enma Syndicate. I do like, though, Kevin, I think we're going to get four fairly distinct groups in terms of look and style. Yeah. I think we don't know for sure, but I'm guessing because it looks like just based on what we got so far that that Dopo is all about very much old school mafia yakuza flashy stylish you know hollywood type gangster right whereas the todoroki alliance looks to be more of like that sons of anarchy mm-hmm. kind of style motorcycle yeah. gang and we don't know yet about the ayak the ayakashi b stars or the Corey hotel group they uh, but they do look not to be as outrageous as the yeah. Total Rookie Alliance or the Enma Syndicate, right? Yeah. So I like, I'm hoping we t- continue to get, yeah. you know, different, not just different yeah. power sets, but different, different Looks, styles and themes to each group. And I got to tell you, Kevin, because I, I got to put it in while we're talking about Chairman Dopo and the Enma Syndicate before we move on from them. I got to say, I love, because he's all about style, right? All about flight. I mean, he goes in a big speech about how, you know, the, uh, uh, criminals aren't stylish as they should be anymore and you know, and aren't as flashy and we got to show everybody how to be a, a true Yakuza member. When he rolls up on Urara and Maro, he rolls up and he specifically name drops his Cadillac. He makes a point of saying, I got a Cadillac and how much it cost him because Kevin, that Cadillac is a late 1970s Cadillac. They weren't sold. They were not sold in Japan. So this is actually a big gangster move by Kaku putting it in here. That shows you what kind of characters because you can't get that in Japan. In Japan, that's a that is a stud mobile to be driving. That's pimp. <laughs> it, it, goes, yeah. it helps you yeah. get a, maybe yeah. not an American reader, but for a Japanese reader, that might have more impact. But we know what a '70s Cadillac is, right? We watched a lot of movies to know what that means, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and then it it's also interesting with the Enma Syndicate because the one group that. 
does seem like it's going to be their polar opposite will be the Corey Hotel Group because I agree. Yeah. We got the clear silhouette of them um, yeah. in terms of like what their kind of look is and they're more like business-like. Recently, Absolutely. Which is completely the opposite of what Enma Syndicate is more traditionally accuser. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what their power set is because at least from the silhouette and how Kaku drew all the characters of like the different gangs, it seems like he put the most work into the silhouette for the Corey Hotel Group of making sure that they're more traditional Japanese businessmen. And it'll be interesting to see how what their attitudes are when it comes to are they more just modern day mafia ma- mafia gangster type characters because they, they they run businesses they know that if they're going to work within society that they right. got to manipulate things through money and if that's how they work. I I think you're right. I think like I I think you're on something. I think the Corey Hotel group is going to be more like the modern mafia group. You'd see you're more likely to see running a casino. Yeah. Or a resort on Miami Beach, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're gonna get that that kind of style. I, I, I'm really fascinated by getting four distinct styles, though. I think mm-hmm. it's gonna be a lot of yeah. fun. Yeah, and you could see that like there's things that kind of like you mentioned too, is that it seems like Haku's um inspired by other types of gangster movies or oh yeah, or outside of Japan too, too when yes. it comes to getting his characters here, because like you're right that the Todoroki Alliance does sound like the Sons of Anarchy group. Yeah, uh, it does. Things that, because he even specifically says that they're biker gang. Right. So, and then the Ayakashi B-Stars is more the host clubs, night nightclub stuff. Yeah. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they're, they're involved with idols and stuff like that too. Absolutely. Like for the demon world too. So yeah. it, it, like it's a good mix of like already that we got introduced to hopefully they get explored more because really right now we only know about the enma syndicate we've been exposed to them the most yes. or they've been talked about the most and so it'll be yep. interesting to see hopefully we get into the other three groups at least as, as the series goes on and it, we don't wait too long to get into them because again we, we really were only given a brief overview of those other three groups right. and that that's the only thing that we know about that and it's been almost forgotten in, in, since then it has it has. And I, what, what do you think? Oh, do you think as we go forward past this chapter, what is your what, what are your betting odds for Dopo being a one and done monster of the week or being a long term nemesis who is um, able to either draw with Maruo or defeat him? I think he'll probably end up defeating him and then maybe he'll be like the first main antagonist that we get in this. But yeah, then kind of like what kind of like what we've seen in other manga, like yeah. he'll be the one that defeats Maruo to give him like kind yeah. and kind of make put, put Maro in his place a little bit. Yes, exactly. Um, but then he'll be the first major villain to be defeated. And then we'll really get into the other stuff. Like there's probably other higher ups. Cause if you, it does feel like it's a little bit too early on, especially when you consider like the, the first flat, the color page that or the color cover that we got for the first, um, first chapter, it showed us a lot of different demons. And I'm wondering if that's, we're going to see those more of those demons pop up. Cause it seems in that color, a spread spread shot that we got in the first chapter yeah, that opened up yeah. the first chapter it seems like there's a lot more demons in charge than what we've seen so far absolutely does yeah you're right so at least that, that's my idea is that especially when considering how much detail he put into that uh spread cover page i would yeah. be surprised if like maybe these four are the main groups but there are other individuals that are stronger or also in charge yeah absolutely so um, yeah, so is there anything else that with Ayashimon ha- that has stood out uh, for you that you wanted to mention before we, uh, we move on? Uh, you know, I just wanted to drop, I, we didn't talk about this yet with the story. We've talked a lot about the amazing world that Kaku has yeah. created and the characters and the fighting and all the different groups. It's a lot of neat stuff, but I also want to touch on, there's some good comedy in here too, Kevin. There's some good comedy and I don't think that should go un- unnoticed. It's there are a lot of moments where you're generally just chuckling away at yourself because it's just very funny. And a lot of it stems from Mauro's just wanting to be the main character of, of, a, of a manga. And I mean, the long running gag of him naming his finishing move. Yeah. <laughs> is, I mean, come on. That's, that's like a staple of any shonen yeah. manga. These ridiculously ornate, names that moves are given like kanikamai takes it to another level like everyone's got moves with these crazy names right they have to yeah. yell these crazy names out right as they deliver the move you know and, and, but, and, and what makes uh maru's uh so different is that his is straight up the same punch at yes, the end. <laughs> it's not it's not he's not doing anything different to like no. stand out or like a technique or anything it's just he's just punching harder at the end of the day which is goes back to the critique but also like 
that is the one thing that is different is that he's trying to name his techniques, but it's not a technique. Yes. It's just punching harder. Yes, he's punching harder. I think at one point, like one time when he when he fights the uh, uh, Inokuma, he's able to defeat him before he's able to finish his final attack name. So he's all mad about that. Like, I didn't even get to finish my final attack name before I defeated you. And he's like, same thing happened with the boss. It's like, it's good. It's good humor where Kaku's able to take some of the common, you know, common fighting shonen manga tropes and, and work them into some pretty funny moments without ever being disrespectful. You can tell that Kaku adores fighting manga adores it so all the little insider you know tropes and jokes they're all done with absolute love yeah and funny and i think that goes into the next the last thing that really i want to talk about is the is the artwork for the series yeah um what 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 do you think of the artwork that kaku has implemented for this this it's rough (laughs) it's it's rough kevin it's it's rough not gonna lie it is very rough the first chapter is really rough all right. And it, I mean, by the time you get to chapter seven, it's, it's, it's trending in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, you can see where, where Kaku is, is, is getting less sketchy, less rough, mm-hmm. less heavy inked, and a little bit more confident in his style and what he wants to deliver on this title. I, I'm not going to say, Kevin, I don't, you know, I'm not going to say that by chapter seven, the art is amazing because it's not, mm-hmm. but it clearly improves over the first seven chapters. And I think like a lot of younger mangaka who are really working on their craft, I think that we're going to continue to see him. I got, we're going to continue to see his art grow and grow and grow. Look, I mean, this is, this is a guy who has worked on some, big titles in the past as an assistant. So he, he, he's going to grow. I think the art is going to continue yeah. to get better. And look, you and I have talked about this with so many of the mangas that we review, like Sakamoto Days. It, it's on and on and on. Often the art starts rough. Yeah. And it gets better over time. I, I Look, there's no doubt that Kaku has, has talent, Kevin. He has talent. He has a lot of dynamic, dynamic, um, you know, vibrant energy to his art. Mm-hmm. And he's good at doing facial expressions. You know, Maru, when he gets really excited, he's good at a good facial expression. I think the art is going to continue to improve and improve. I really do. Because yeah. I think we, he's got, obviously, Kaku has the has chops mm-hmm. to, to do it. You know what I mean? He just has to work at his craft a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just about developing, figuring out the style of Aishiman because it, it does seem like, He's still trying to figure out like what's yeah. just like how he the finalized style that he wants for all the characters and just like how how heavy he wants to ink stuff and things like yep. that. Yep. Um, which, which I like you said, we do find with a lot of the beginning first, I would say two volumes of a manga is usually that way of like um those first 16 to 20 chapters. Mm-hmm. Um is usually that way of like just figuring out what the style is and figuring out what how how detailed I'm gonna make certain pages or right. how or characters and things like that. Um and you could kind of really tell, like, the influence that he has with having been Fujimoto's assistant. You can see, oh, yes. the, like, Chainsaw Man, like, the character yes. designs are very much there. And what you always yeah. find in Mangaka is, like, who, who, the artists that they were assistants to, you always find mm-hmm. their styles in there. You could tell what, like, who they were working under. And you could tell, tell that here with uh, Kaku style being re- reminiscent of Chainsaw Man a lot. Completely agree. Uh, no doubt about that. And that's a good thing because I love yeah. Chainsaw Man. Yeah. And, and I think that I, Look, if, if you're expecting to be blown away with the artwork in the first seven chapters, you know, adjust expectations mm-hmm. accordingly. Yeah. But I think, I, I do think, I don't think the art's going to be a liability. I think it's going to yeah. continue to get better because it does get better as we move forward mm-hmm. in these chapters. So I, yeah. I have high hopes for the artwork. I mean, yeah. And, and it's just a, like a confidence thing, I think. And you see that with all manga because like they're confident with, especially with the time, t- the time schedule that they have with drawing all these. It's like, you just got to maximize the time that you have to draw them and and hopefully like as as the series goes on which he's kind of shown already with the first seven chapters that he will be refining his style to make yes. sure that like he he does create a like Aishimon looks unique enough from most manga series and mm-hmm. with his own style that when you see it it's gonna be oh that's Kaku 
who's drawing it. It's not yes. Fujimoto's assistant, or is, it, is this something from Chainsaw Man or some other series that looks like this? Agreed. No, I, I totally agree. And, and you see it. I mean, I'm just looking at the seventh chapter after looking at the first chapter. I just went from the first straight to the seventh just to compare. And, and it's, it's there. Yeah. You can see it. And there are some characters where it seems like Kaku maybe feels more confident in his ability to draw. I, mm. I could be wrong, Kevin. Now I'm going to say this. You tell me if you think I'm totally off base. I think if you look at his seventh chapter, I think he draws the, the female characters better. Yeah. The male characters. I think he just feels more comfortable drawing the female characters. I could be totally wrong about that. Yeah. It just yeah, looks better to me. And it also goes back to kind of, I think while Maru has been the main character of the series, like who we were introduced to first, I think really the person that's gotten the most attention, the most character developed by Kaku and maybe even his favorite is, is Urara. And you could tell that by just how he draws her compared to Maru, where Maru is very simple. And then yes. Urara is way more detailed. He is he is very invested in creating a specific look for her that her look always stands out from everybody else in the series. And maybe that's also his comfort level of like, he's more comfortable drawing female characters because of that as well. And like the different character models that he has in the different positions because he's more confident in that than he is with like, his male characters are a little bit more simple. Than, they are. Than his female. Absolutely. And you even see that in the seventh chapter, Kevin, even with the, the male characters, not just uh, Maro, but also with Dopo, uh, you compare that with not only Urara, but also with uh, Mitsuha. Yeah. Uh, she looks much, much better than the other male yeah. Enma Syndicate characters. I, I think she looks yeah. clearly better. Yeah. And, and again, that might just be his comfort level drawing female characters more so than male characters. And Maybe for male characters, he just wants to keep them simple, whereas right. like female characters, he just he does want to add that extra flair detail to them so that they stand out. He really does. I mean, their hair, their eyes, I mean, yeah. everything. It is way more. It, it, to me, at least, it is noticeably detailed. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how um, his style develops, because, again, that's one of the fun things about reading manga is also seeing like yeah. the artists uh, manga and, and mangaka just in general, just refining their style by like their finalized style is in like probably like 20 chapters in like i mentioned yeah absolutely so awesome is there anything else that you want to talk about Ayashiban before we wrap up the episode no i'm just saying i would definitely recommend reading it yeah. overall i'm i've really been excited with the first seven chapters mm -hmm. i think that kaku has something really fun and interesting and even though we we may see a lot of different fighting manga out there manga with yokai that kind of thing. I think this Ayashiman is, and I know we talked about this, Kevin, when we first touched on the first chapter, because we reviewed the first chapter along with uh, Doran Dororan, right? Yeah. And we were wondering, you know, gosh, because we were the first chapters, you're we like, wait a minute, these are awfully similar. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I think that Ayashiman is going in a direction to clearly differentiate itself from other manga titles that deal with this type of demons theme. and like Absolutely. demons and stuff like that. So, yep. Yep. I really yeah. think it's going into its own unique direction, which I know you and I talked about. Could it do it? You know, yeah. we weren't too sure after the first chapter. It can, it does. After seven yeah. chapters, I can say it definitely does. This is definitely one. If you like comedy, um, it, it has enough comedy to keep you going. It's not comedy first, it's action first, but it's got comedy enough to keep, keep you chuckling. It's got good action. It's got cool, a cool world with with these yokai demonic creatures uh i would recommend it if any of those kind of things interest you i would definitely recommend reading it i think you will enjoy it it's it's worth your time and money yeah and i think if you're especially if you're into just the shonen uh shonen manga i think this is probably like a good um starting point if you wanted to start with like a, a let me discover a new yeah. manga i think if you mm -hmm. wanted to go from the uh start from the beginning i think this is a good one to just become a fan of right away um, and there's a lot of interesting things that I could see that 2022 is going to be a good year for um, Ayashimon. And it's maybe it's going to be the breakout series of this year because it didn't yeah. come out at the end of last year. So it didn't really get too much momentum going um, before before that year ended and like a lot of talk about it. But I could see by the end of this year with almost a full year of chapters worth of, of uh, storytelling that this will probably be one of the breakout mangas of, of the 2022. I agree. I agree. Oh, one last thing, Kevin. Yeah. Because I haven't, I haven't talked enough about Kanikaman. I got to say this. I think <laughs> people can people can look at this character design and tell me if I'm crazy or not. But I'm I, ten. 
Ten's character design, not in his human form, but in his yokai form. He's like a little, very simple, drawn black yokai, right? Very, very simple shape, very, very simple face, very cartoony. He looks, I'm telling you, if that isn't Nachi Goron from Kanikai, <laughs> it was a, a little, a little tiny, like a small black kaiju. Yeah. It was also wimpy and cowardly and was the sidekick to Kanikuman and worshiped the ground Kanikuman worked on, which, Kevin, does that not sound exactly like Ten's personality? <laughs> yep, yeah. I'm just saying, between the identical <laughs> personality, the identical role in the story, and I mean, if it isn't the same character design, I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I'm going to do a hat tip on that homage that probably is going by a lot of people. Yeah. Good and job, Aku. I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to create a Kanikuman... Uh, um, a music or something like that, so that anytime you <laughs> sidetrack on Kini I'm, I'm gonna play that so that way in the podcast at some point. <laughs> oh, you can play his, um, his uh, I believe it's the little song that they play a lot all throughout the uh, anime. There's a little song whenever he has, he, he's a big fan of Rice and Cow. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you, you could just play the little song that he that he sings whenever he <laughs> has his, whenever he has his Rice and Cow, indeed. <laughs> There, there you go. And that's your can you come on minute there for, for your, for, from rock. Um, Sorry. I'll stop. <laughs> uh, but, uh, like I said, it, um, I is going to be, a, I think a good series for yeah. 40 year. And I think probably out of the three that we got in November, I think it was the standout for me. So far, I agree. Uh, I'm, I'll be interested to go back and read the other two that came out in November. Cause I honestly haven't read past her first chapters. Cause they didn't really grab me too much, but I will be interested now that they're getting also the two to seven chapter how they compare to Aishimon again. I think Aishimon set a good barometer yes. for like new manga series starting out and things like that. So I'm going to be excited to see what the, how the series develops over the over the next year. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, all right, awesome. Well, again, Rock, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. It's, uh, it was a fun one, and we're going to definitely be doing more of this type of stuff moving forward of like just exploring different manga series and talking about like a group of chapters or story or a complete story arc and things like that. So. Make sure to always keep an eye out for our episodes where our plan is to still release like two, at least two episodes uh, a month, um, like this entire year. We may change that up where you get more more than two episodes a month, but right now at least we're on the schedule to release two a month. So just expect that moving forward. So again, and so like I said, Rock, thank you very much for joining me and hope you, you and everyone else has a great day.